Welcome to the Emo Social Club podcast, broadcasting to you not very much live right now from EmoSocialClub.tv. I am Lizzie, and Brian is actually only five minutes away from me now because we have both moved. Um, so it's been a little bit chaotic and hectic here. But in the interim, we have been able to do a couple of interviews in the meantime to keep you tied over for the next few weeks while we kind of get our shit together. And this week, we did this off-stream interview with Tane Graves of the band Tightwire. They're out of um, Minnesota. And it was just such a fun, natural convo to have. I mean, kind of silly. We find out a lot about Transformers. And we get into some other aspects as well that goes into their songwriting for the band. But before we jump on into it, make sure that you are following us over on all of our socials at Emo Social Club on Instagram and on Threads and at X, Emo Social Club X, over still on the Bird app X, whatever you want to call it, and TikTok as well. You're going to want to keep it locked in. We may or may not have some more ticket giveaways coming up soon for a festival that uh, you definitely want to go to. Also, make sure to comment, rate, subscribe, like, send it to your homies, send it to your frenemies to let us know that you like us. You love the Emo Social Club. Of course you do. And make sure you're springing around to everybody so they can also like it too. And of course, always uh, tweet at us, stitch us on TikTok, send us like a DM or comment over on our Instagram. We want to know what you're up to, what you like and what you don't like, and who you think we should interview next. All right, I'm not going to hold you up any longer. Here is our interview with Tane Graves of Tightwire. Welcome to the Emo Social Club podcast, broadcasting to you live from emosocialclub.tv. Not really. Uh, I'm Brian. And I'm Lizzie, and we're here this afternoon with our new friend, Tane, from Tightwire. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Hey, thank you for having me, Brian and Lizzie. This, is, this has been fun. We've, we've been talking for like a good 15 minutes already, <laughs> and, uh, and I can tell we're going to be best friends. Do I introduce myself? Yeah. Or just, tell, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Throw in like well, a fun fact, like an icebreaker. Yeah. Oh, all right, all right. Uh, well, my name is Tane Graves. Um, that's my real name. And, um, a lot of people, uh, you know what? I, I once had someone um, come up to me and he was like, um, oh, I didn't realize your your real last name was Graves. I thought you were a Michael Graves fan. <laughs> um, which, you know. If you know anything about Michael Graves, is very embarrassing. Um, fuck Michael Graves. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but my real last name is Graves. So there's a fun fact. Um, I played a band called Tightwire from Minneapolis, Minnesota, which is not that fun of a fact. Um, and I collect Transformers. I'm seeing that behind you. I was about to say, I feel like there's a theme behind us. Yeah, you're not even seeing half of them because I'm going through the process of dusting my room. But like... Oh my God. Holy hell. It's it's nothing but NWA posters, uh, Jason Voorhees masks, Bleak 182, and uh, Transformers. So that's my entire personality. 
<laughs> so, so how do you feel about these uh these continuation of Transformers movies? Um, you know what? I I um I, I've been a Transformers has been a thing since I was a child and when the Michael Bay movies first came out, I remember I was maybe the most excited person for it. And I went and I, I left so heartbroken. But I will say that since the Bubble B movie came out and this latest Transformers movie came out, they are kind of redeeming themselves. And Michael Bay has less to do with it, which is great. Always better. Um, so the last two Transformers movies I actually enjoy. And um, uh, Netflix doing their like three series thing revitalized the brand I think really well um, because I've been spending all my money um, on toys since an embarrassing amount of money an embarrassing amount I collected a lot of the uh, the Beast Wars versions as a kid <laughs> good man yeah oh I got the Beast Wars fucking uh, tattoos yeah I, I was I was a big Beast Wars guy I have, as you can see, yeah, this <laughs> Oh my God, look at him and his arms. He's not. He's a gorilla. He is a gorilla. Um, yeah, no, I was I was a big Beast Wars guy. That, that was a that was kind of like my jam. Uh, so uh, what was I like? Nineteen ninety six, nineteen ninety eight. I remember coming home from school and, um, I I lived with my grandma. Um, when I was like in early high school and I would come home and TRL would be on. So I'd watch TRL and then right after TRL, I'd switch it over to like channel six and Beast Wars would be playing. And so. You got a, a double T in the afternoon that, then then. I know, dude. I, I got, I, I got like my cool points and my fucking nerdiness in all in one afternoon. I loved it. Was that so? When you rolled up to high school the next day and you said, "Guys, did you catch the latest TRL Plus? Did you get the latest Transformers? How did that land?" Oh, I, I, I was very much secretive about my 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 love for cartoons because you know back back in like the early two thousands, it wasn't cool to like cartoons. Um, you know, as you got older. I think we were still trying to follow in the footsteps of our parents where like nobody wanted to admit they still watched cartoons, but you knew all those motherfuckers were still watching them. Correct. Um, no, I very much only would talk about, uh, I, you know what, honestly, I don't even think I talked about TRL. I think I, I was at like that awkward phase of where like as an early, early teen, I fell in love with Blink. But then I started listening to No Effects, and then No Effects led me to like Dead Kennedys and the Germs and all these other like really super like hardcore underground punk bands. Where I think that's really all I talked about, and I would only wear like Germs and Circle Jerk shirts and Minor Threat shirts and stuff, and then I would never tell my friends that like, oh, I'm gonna go home because 
I think newfound glory is my friends over you is number three on TRL. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, you know, and, and now that I've gotten older, I'm like, fuck guilty pleasures. Love anything and everything that you love about music. It, it shouldn't, it, it's such a stupid thing to be elitist about, um, especially like when we're all on the same team. Um, but back then, I was like, by day, I was like, Dead Kennedys, The Germs, Minor Threat are the best bands. And then by night, I was like, My Chemical Romance and New Fun Glory are this shit. You're like, this is the good shit I'm looking for. And like, yeah, I, at a certain point, it all came around, right? Because you're like, now it doesn't have to be a guilty pleasure. No, no, yeah, and now, like, I mean, it, 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 it's a generational thing because, like, you know, I'll, I'll definitely, like, I'll tour with bands, um, you know, especially, like, my band. We've kind of, like, diverted into a more, like, we're, like, a Ramon style. So, like, we hang out with, like, a lot of the older punks and stuff like that. And a lot, like, you know, I won't name names, but a lot of them still give me shit when I say Blank's my favorite band. Um, you know, I, but it's, I, I think it's just a generational thing, but it, it, it feels good to, to go to a show where someone does love Miter Threat as much as I do. Cause I, I didn't, I didn't put on a face. I wasn't trying to be disingenuous. I, I just legitimately felt like I was that one person who was like, oh, I, I love all these punk bands. But I also really love Blake and Grain Day and Fun Glory and all these like bands that are doing really poppy stuff. Um, but it, yeah, it's it, I I always feel the most connected by people um, who listen to the complete broad spectrum that is like pop punk and emo and stuff. I think it's like so so wild that a lot of these. Like, like just to kind of go back to like a lot um these older like punk bands kind of look down on blink 182 when blink 182 like derived so much from it so it's always like kind of silly to me when you have that like frowned upon attitude for things that are like directly influenced from you oh i mean 100 percent. I, I would not be doing any of this if it wasn't for boy um because my my start in it was was Blink One Eighty Two, um, and for a long time, like it was my, it was my cousin who also plays in Tightwire with me, who um, brought me "Take Off Your Pants and Jacket." He's like, "Dude, you need to listen to this. This is this is good." And I I didn't like I had that CD sitting on like my bedside table for like two months, and finally he was like, "Hey, can I get that CD back?" Um, what did you think about it? I was like, honestly, I didn't listen to it. He's like, come over and like we were playing like Nintendo sixty four, and he put it on, and it like changed my fucking world. And then through like loving Blink, I followed Green Day, and then I would listen to interviews with them, and they would name drop bands like No Facts and Pennywise and and Bad Religion. 
And then I would start listening to them because I really love these two bands that love these bands. And then I would listen to interviews by like No Facts and Bad Religion. And then they would name like, so like, I, it was just like a rabbit hole of finding all these other bands. And honestly, if it weren't for Blake, I wouldn't have found this whole world of punk and alternative music that we all love today. I think there was a sense of like, if a band is really popular, that they're like not, they're out of the city out. now. Like you, you sold out, you're too big, you're too popular, you're on the radio, like you're out. And so like, I, I always got this sense from like punk kids and punk fans that it's like, ah, uh, you know, they're, they're not holding true to their roots. Like they made it big and they made it famous. And I think that part of like the conversation that gets lost is like, they don't realize that a, a blink could influence somebody to then go back and listen to all of their bands. And it like, uh, uh, raises all boats for that metaphor. It's like, yeah, some band needs to make it out and make it up, make it out the warp tour with this one and make it to that level where it can bring more attention and more influence from these other bands that don't want to do that. Don't want to be that big. No. Yeah, totally. I, I, and I, you know what, honestly, like at the end of the day, Maybe there are a few of those bands that don't want to be that big, but I think the thing that people have to realize is like nobody, nobody in any of the bands that you love weren't trying to grow, you know, they weren't trying to not be as big as they possibly could. They just, some bands just made like did what they loved. And it, it it led them down a path of sticking to kind of the level that they were. But, and this is very inside baseball, but I don't care what punk band you love. Every punk band is trying to uh, barter for more money at, at, at the, at, at your favorite festival. You know, every, every punk band, I don't care if you think, I don't care if you think like, I don't know, Dead Kennedys is your, your favorite, like most punk, truistic band. I guarantee you they're hitting up their agent and being like, do you think we get 17,000 out of this one? They're like that 10K kind of low. Let's up. Yeah. 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 So, so. Um, but, but at the end of the day, we, we live in a system that we, we didn't design. We got to make money. So it's no reason to hate your favorite band, but it's also, um, no reason for you to be like, oh, this band sold out, you know, fuck it. They, they made, they made a million dollars making the music they wanted to make. You're, you're not giving a rapper shit. Mm -hmm. We and we all we I I fucking love rapid hip hop. I I wouldn't be, I I love when rapid hip hop talk about how much money they're making. It's it's like I have literal fuck you money. Why don't you have fuck you? <laughs> yeah, and so it's like, oh, why don't you want your punk bands, your favorite punk bands, to be like fuck you? Like, I I I made money in an unconventional way. It feels more punk 
to make a million dollars playing music than it does going to work and pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, you know? So like, uh, I feel like we, we've reached this part where we, like the, especially in the internet age where we just, we love to just hate each other for any reason that we can feel like we can fuel a fire. Um, anyways, I think we're, I think we're like derailing this conversation. Oh, this is, no, wait, this is a good, this is how we get, we get a little bit, yeah. we get off the rails sometimes. Yeah. It's my favorite part of, of podcasting. Like I, if you ever watch, if you ever read any of my like interviews that I do, like typing, I'm like, I don't know how to answer these questions. I know. I, as someone who is a journalist, my least favorite way to interview people are sending like written out questions because you know they're going to be curated in a certain way, which is fine. It works when it needs to be done. But it's like when you have an actual, even if it's not a podcast and it's just like a normal interview and it's just being recorded, then transcribed. It, there's so much more layers than depth you can get out of it, and it's just, like, ten times better. Yeah. You really, like, podcasting is, like, this open forum thing that we can, we can dig into the the shit that no one else would say on an interview. We try to do. We try to catch people in, in moments. We've never done that. We've literally never. Yeah, we've never, like, done a gotcha moment or anything. It's not like, oh, hey, so actually. <laughs> it's more just, like hanging out which i know like there's always the meme of like you know dudes can hang out and not record it like it doesn't have to be a podcast you could just be friends with people (laughs) i had a friend literally say that he's like yeah we sit around all the time we just talk it's like that's just that's just just be a person it's okay you don't need to record a podcast yeah we 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 always sit around we talk about going to the gym uh buying buying crypto oh no I mean, if you want to gain wealth in today's economy, you got to get into. I got nothing. Have you, have you heard that? Like, uh, the I don't know if it's a meme or what would you you consider it, but like, I was scrolling through TikTok the other day, and they were like, "Another white boy with a podcast." Yep. yep. Oh yeah. Jim yeah. Bro, another white boy with a podcast. And I was like, "Holy shit, that's so good!" I fucking loved it. Every time I'm like, uh, report, I see myself in this video. I don't like this. Oh, no. The only thing, the only thing Brian doesn't have in that one is that he is not a crypto bro. Thank you, God. True. I, I, I tried to fuck with crypto for a second, and I did well, and then I lost it all. And uh, um, I'm just, I'm not a gambling, I'm not a gambling man. I just... See, it's it's more fun if you really just want to go to a casino because it happens so quick and you're just sitting there like, ooh, pretty lights. Everyone's excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have to check my app every single day yeah. uh, in order to realize that I lost a bunch of money. Yeah, you don't have to do be your own New York Stock Exchange yeah. person in real time when you have no idea how any of that works to begin with. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I had one dude... Um, during quarantine he was a, a downstairs roommate um and he was he was the kind of guy that woke up at like i don't know whatever the fuck time in the morning night in the morning when the stocks opened and he was trying to explain it to me and he's like no you you can like you really you really get something good out of this um and then he revealed that he was going online and buying like nintendo switches and stuff 
um for super cheap and then like up pricing them by like double God. and i was like i was like i, I don't want to take financial advice from you because you're a piece of shit yeah you're a literal scammer i had a friend during quarantine as well he wasn't reselling switches but he was getting up every morning and like looking at the stock market and moving money around He's like, well, I'm unemployed. And I'm like, I feel like you should not be playing around with the only money you have right now. <laughs> that feels not very smart at all, my guy. Well, there's I there's actually like a really good uh I just watched um an interview with Robert Downey Jr. and he went to uh he went to Wall Street in like the mid nineties or whatever. And he had such a great thing, he was like He's like, I've never been more annoyed with people that are so money hungry and pathetic. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, good job. <laughs> so fucking hate those people. Don't hate the guys that made money making art. It's true. Okay. Yes. We're we're circling back. Don't don't hate the Green Days and the Fallout Boys because they decided to make poppier music than than you liked. And they made a million dollars doing it. They they did it making, you know, may, and maybe they took some commercial deals, which kind of sucks. You know, like having to have a Coca-Cola on stage, that kind of sucks. Um, but hate, hate the Wall Street people and hate the fucking crypto people. Fuck them. Yeah. Maybe Don't. maybe a little side eye for Travis Barker's like one hundred dollar a piece like homewares collection. It hey, does he really have that? Yeah, and it's all like edgy skull theme. Like some of it's cute, and I was like, oh, I I'll buy that. Then I realized it's like a hundred plus dollars. I'm like, mm, all right, all right, good. Yeah, just a little side eye. No, no, you're 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 talk- you're you're completely right. Like. Uh... He's married to a Kardashian, though, so, like, I don't know what else we expect. I don't want to blame them, but at the same time, we might have to blame them. Well, they're they're, they're, they're following in suit with, uh, with people who have, like, demand, and it's like, come on, Travis, you came from punk. Like, sell your shit at a reasonable price. Come on, dog. Like, like... It, it, it is. It's one of those things where it's like when you know the bank is full. Like the, you know, Travis Barker has enough. The bank is full, man. Sell us some cool Travis Barker shit for like a reasonable price, dog. Stop it. Like homie, we're not asking for much. <laughs> like we we already love you, but don't make us spend three quarters of our paycheck to buy something in support of you. Come on, God. We know your bank is full. Yeah. I'm down. Just be Travis Barker. Like, like that was the thing, because he was drumming with everybody, and you just hear about him, like, oh, featuring Travis Barker on this song. And it's like, cool, he's bringing back, like, pop punk, and he's adding these drums to, like, a lot of different genres and a lot of different artists. And it's like, yo, he's he's doing it. He's the good guy. He's the hero of this. And it's like, yeah, oh boy, like the more we see him, he's becoming a little less the hero. You know, we find out a little bit more about his 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 choices of sales, things that he's making. And it's like, oh, cool. And you just go back to playing drums with everybody because that was really cool. <laughs> yeah, that was a real cool time. 
Like we, hey, dude, you're already like people are already giving you a lot of money to fuck with their records. Like, come on. Um, although I I will say this, the I I think one of the smartest marketing moves done by like, um, a, a smaller I guess you could call them a smaller band was uh, Hot Mulligan naming their song featuring Mark Hoppin. That was yeah, no, that was iconic. Because I fell for it. I was like, oh, wait, what? And then I listened to it, and I was like, Mark Hoppus was not the fuck on this <laughs> song at all. And then come to find out, they just did it as a marketing play. I was like, that is so fucking smart. And, and yeah, you, you use all the big people's names. Let's go uh, at it. I mean, especially with how much Hot Mulligan's been able to blow up. Like in the last handful of years, I love Hot Mulligan, so I'm like. Oh, I love oh. Hot Mulligan as well. I think they're a great band. I think they're a fantastic band. I really, you know what? I'm... I really want to. Oh, you really want to? I really want to like them. It doesn't hit me in the same way. That's okay. That's all right. You're you're entitled to your opinion, and it does not hurt my feelings in the slightest. Thanks. Sorry, I just I just moving. Yeah, for sure. I feel so comfortable with you guys that I'm moving to my bed. There That's the club, man. I'm going to open up Red Bull. Uh, uh, a low-calorie Red Bull because I'm trying to watch my girlish figure. Of course, of course. <laughs> um, Got to get ready for touring. Yeah. Well, we, we just we recently did a photo shoot in Milwaukee this past weekend. And I, I'll, I'll admit, you know, that... Uh, Winter was not great for me this year, and I did put on about 30 pounds, and it, I feel like when you look at yourself in the mirror, you always suck your gut in, and you're like, mm-hmm. yeah, all right, I'm still, I'm still working it, baby, I'm still working it, and then you look at those candid photos from a photo shoot, and you're like, oh, God. The camera adds 10 pounds, and I look like I ate fucking 20 cameras. <laughs> this is definitely getting into the gym bro part of our, our episode now. Yeah, this is the gym bro part. <laughs> Guys, you said to go and just do a bunch of crunches, and then that's it. I thought I thought that's where you wanted to segue to. No. Yeah, yeah actually, I, we're going to segue into the Super Bloom uh, green powder real quick, the sponsored part of it. Yeah, yeah. Our sponsor today is AG1. Yeah, when are we going to talk about uh, Alpha Brain? I, the problem is, like, I've seen enough of that content where I could. Like, I just, like, have it. Oh, no, kind of really? lock. I'm not going to do it. Hey, hey, listen, listen, no, no, no. no. I, I will tell you. I I was, I went to a GNC, and, and I, fell, I, fell for the, I fell for the ploy. I, I spent $40 on the smallest bottle of Alpha Brain. And I'm here to tell you, it doesn't do jack shit. I took, I took like seven of them at a time. Yeah, yeah. You're you're better off buying cocaine from a stranger. Oh my god. Don't don't do that either. I was about to say, yeah, don't don't do either of these things. How did we get a lucrative uh, cocaine from a stranger sponsorship for this podcast? <laughs> I'm willing. To, I'm willing to pull some like sellout. Blink one eighty two money to get the Coke from a stranger sponsorship. Well, listen, we just have to gentrify Coke, which it already kind of is. But well, you know what? Here, 
All you need, all you need, if you're going to buy cocaine, at least do this. Get the rapid, these rapid response tests. There you go. Make sure they're safe. Yep. This tests it for anything that isn't cocaine. And I, maybe I'm calling, I, I've never done cocaine in my life. Okay, we haven't either. Yeah, we're squares. It's, we got we got uh, bullied last night by someone. They were like, you guys are you guys don't want to go do coke? I'm like, no, we do not. We want to go home. Yeah, that that is you know what that's true. Yeah. <laughs> There's, I I will tell you I've spent uh, many nights into mornings at the Liars Club, mm-hmm. um, not doing any drugs. Yeah, yeah. It's just kind of the space. It's kind of just the the place that it is. Yeah. Uh, uh, maybe cut that out. I'm sorry. No. No. Look. Leave it in. Listen, the, the, the testing for drugs thing is always very, very yeah. important. I know Lala has a whole uh, naloxone. They were giving away like the uh, the nasal spray during Lala, like inside. Oh, like, um, yeah. What's that stuff called? It's like na- Noxaline or something like that. Noxalone. Mm. I have a press release about it, but I'm not going <laughs> to it up right now. No, I remember. Um... So I, I, I used to work on the West Bank in Minneapolis. I, I worked for uh, um, a rock club called the Triple Rock uh, for quite a few years. And um, I remember the Taco Bell, uh, um, like a block away, would always have the uh, uh, whatever. Oh, no spray stuff? Yeah, the nasal spray stuff. Now, now you've... See you. You said you said one word, and I I could have. The quick Google will tell yeah. us all. This is why podcasts have producers to look this stuff up when you're talking about it, and they just like chime in. You're like, oh, thank. Not, yeah, I thought I thought Jamie from Joe Rogan. Oh, yeah. Jamie, yeah. Pull that up, sir. Jamie, what it is right now? Should I be googling it too? Is it? No, I can. There we oh, go. Okay. Yeah. Narcan. And also started with an N. Yeah. Yeah. So Narcan, yeah, I remember there was a few times where I would like I would late night after working a show at Triple Rock. Um, I'd be going uh to like order a five layer burrito and all of a sudden like a person runs out of the bathroom and it's like, Hey, can I get some of your Narcan? It just realize you realize like how sad neighborhoods can actually be <laughs> when you're when you're asking for Narcan at a at a Taco Bell. Yeah, at a Taco Bell. Before we started, you said that you were just new to sobriety as well. So how has that been? Kind of like weaving into like some of your music writing. Um, you know, weirdly enough, so I, I've been sober off and on. I I I've, I've still been in my kind of finding a groove kind of stage. Um, you know, I've been sober for a while. Um, but I have, um, within the last two years realized that my, my drug use and my alcohol use is being more a problem than it has been like a fun thing. Um, 
So, I mean, as of lately, it's been fantastic because I have abstained from everything. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's the weirdest thing about it is that I found once I admitted I had a problem, it weirdly became harder. Um, because people start to treat you a little bit different when you like publicly admit you have a problem. Um, but yeah, I, what was your question? Sorry. Oh no. How does it also uh, go into like your songwriting or um, like just kind of like developmental thought process when it comes to music? You know, the weirdest thing about it is um, if you listen to I, at least our latest record, which I wrote 100% of like the lyrics to and stuff, um, all those songs I wrote when I was sober, um, but I wrote them all about being an addict. Um, probably because when you're like drunk and I, you can't really like get the most coherent thought out, you know, but, um, but it, uh, it, it's, it's helped in the fact that like, I, I, I write every single day. So I, I write for about 15 minutes a day. Um, and it doesn't really hinder, hinder that where, um, when I was drinking heavily and using, I was, I was kind of struggling to just get the things I needed to get done on a daily basis. So like it kept me almost boxed into this place where I was like, trying to come off as normal um so i would get done my daily tasks but everything always felt like um like work even even fun stuff like doing like a podcast or or you know if i had something fun going on like i had to go to a recording session or something like, I was more, I like, I was completely focused on, like, let me take another shot so I can get through this versus when you're doing things sober, at, at least in my experience, you feel a lot more excited about the fact that, like, oh, I, I get to go to a, me uh, a recording studio today and work on music. Um or I get to go do this thing, you know, and it doesn't feel like such a daunting task. Um, so I guess in my experience being sober now, like I look forward to picking up my guitar and doing my 15 minutes of writing every day versus when I was drinking and doing drugs, it was, I, well, I have to do this or else people are going to notice that I'm, not right uh, so I guess in my experience of of becoming sober it's it's um it's made my life more honest because like 
I don't have to pretend that I'm okay. And um, even with myself, I don't have to pretend I'm okay because I, I feel like a lot of it was like justifying that like I can still do things while getting fucked up. And it was just this extremely exhausting pattern. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question or not, but... No, it yeah. does. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that, yeah, that's that's the one thing about it that's it improved my life is that once you get out of it and once you realize that it doesn't have to be a part of your life, like simple tasks become more enjoyable and maybe maybe your depression or maybe whatever you're trying to like use drugs and alcohol to not face gets a little bit harder. Um, and that sucks and that's tough, but I'll tell you your day to day, um, tasks get so much easier and, um, and life will get easier. Good message. I was letting it sit for the audience. And now on to our sponsored content. <laughs> oh God. Crypto. Another way to improve your life. Ah, <laughs> uh, we got to shut this new podcast down. Yes. Joking. <laughs> um, what about you guys? Tell me about you guys. You know what? I feel like, I feel like another thing about podcasts is the hosts don't get enough love. If you're Joe Rogan, you love to talk about yourself because you're a piece of shit. Yeah, but every other podcast I listen to, nobody else gets any love. So, everybody, everybody who's listening, give a round of applause. Thank you to 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 our hosts in your car right now. Um, yes, you're driving. But you you guys you guys host the emo night in Chicago. We do. Hey, you did it last night. Yes, we are. It, we're feeling it. Was a killer. You know. Yes, and um, this was like the Lala after party one, so it's kind of like a, it's a one-off. Like normally we, we, we do it every month and it always is kind of a similar event and I think that's good, the consistency of it and the community we're building around it. Like when it comes to anything in music and anything that you're doing uh, where it's it's an emotional experience and you're having everybody singing along and jumping up and down, uh even if it's the same every time, that's kind of good. Uh, but having like the Lala after party, having guests, having uh, all the LA team out and a bunch of their guests and a bunch of their friends who we didn't know. Some of them we did. Some of them were like, oh, hey, we know you. <laughs> like, welcome to Chicago. Welcome to the event. Uh, that experience, I'm like, this is a one-time thing. And then we won't have this again for a while. So... Maybe that's that the good things are good and the consistency of the event otherwise will also be good when it's not happening again next month. Yeah. Right. Well, fuck yeah. Um, do you feel like emo nights have more turned into like pop punk nights? Because this is, this is actually, this is one thing, and you know what? I, I don't want to get you in trouble. I'll get us into trouble. We will not get into trouble. Yeah. Okay, all right. <laughs> but Liz and I, before you joined, 
um we were talking about how like at least i this is what i stated is all the emo nights that i've been to uh feel like more like pop punk hints you know then it, then it does feel like emo so like I, I, but but i've also i've been to emo nights where like um i remember emo night la came out to like in the very early days and this was like pre-covid this is maybe like 2018 or something um but they had justin pierre uh from motion city um who's a buddy a buddy of mine um he hosted it but like like me emo is very different um from what a lot of people like in a crowd would like and like i get that um but you know like justin played like deep cuts of like get up kids and small towns burn a little slower and cadillac blindside and audio karate and and um all these bands that like i consider emo and no one was into red that sounds correct and which is which is funny because it's like you know justin pierre is a big deal in minneapolis you know he's a he's fucking in motion city Southside. everybody in minneapolis love like who's into like emo or pop hog loved motion city soundtrack but man i i was astonished to see him clear a room as fast as he did it oh my not clearing the room he cleared a fucking room and and like i was the only one like i i felt like i was like one of like 25 people who were like there for it like i was like oh you're playing all the shit for my childhood and because emo to me is like you know stay what you are or uh through being cool by um saves the day and uh shit like that that is what like i grew up understanding emo as or like early jimmy world and stuff um i mean i we will say there was one night both brian and i upstairs and downstairs we played taking back sunday your soul last summer and nobody popped off in either floor yeah we did You're the floor because yeah. we have taste yeah I don't think it's even I, I don't want to like diminish someone's taste but it, it's like it, 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 it's it's kind of like almost disheartening because like I feel like emo night is created to be like that alternative night for like you know and, and maybe maybe we're just too old for it but like I don't want to play the same fucking hits mm-hmm. at, like every night and, and a lot of the emo nights I've gone to is like you know, like, I, I kind of want to play, like, some goddamn it era of Alkaline Trio, but I know there's only going to be, like, one person in here who's going to be stoked on it. Yep. It has. Yeah, and uh, it, we've had this discussion a little bit of, like, discovery versus playing, like, kind of the same thing over and over again. Like, right. How many times are you going to hear uh, I'm Not Okay by Mike M? How many times are you going to hear Make Damn Sure? Like, these songs are kind of required to be played because the audience that's coming, uh, whether it's first time, whether it's every time, they're like, I got to hear that song. Like, And if you're, you, as a DJ, you start to think of like how much time you have. So, okay, I'm playing for four hours, right? 
And in that four hours, here's how I'm going to uh, put these songs in this order and how they're going to play out. This song is three minutes. This song is four minutes. This song is six minutes. Somebody said, hey, can you play that six-minute song? I'm like, no, because I'm looking at a timeline of events, and that six-minute song is not going to be uh, uh, top-tier, top-notch, everybody jumping up and down, singing every word for six full minutes. That's not going to happen. Uh, and so you start to, like, lose that opportunity to play some of those songs that may not get everybody in the room because you're thinking like if i play the song and that one person's having a blast i'm glad but i'd rather be everybody in the room having that right. moment. and then uh we have two fours so we're, we're thinking of maybe doing something more with the downstairs area where it's more for like the older kids who know alkaline trio and older taking back sunday and uh, we had a request for boxcar racer. I'm like, cool, we can do that downstairs. Uh, so maybe we have more of that like separate vibe where it's more like a less jumping up and down and screaming to my chem, more of a, hey, let me listen to like songs that I really like with my friends and maybe even more of like a conversational type of thing. Cause that feels more like the discovery side of it. Like uh, your cousin yeah. showing you, hey, listen to this. You can go, hey, listen to this, and we're in a DJ room and playing it for like a crowd of people. Uh, it's it's a balance, but I d I don't know what the answer is when you're like selling tickets to something, and it's like, hey, you want to buy tickets to this event where you can learn music you don't know? <laughs> like it's a that's a hard sell. <laughs> yeah, because Brian mentioned that to me. I was like, oh, that could be interesting, but I also don't really listen to that yeah. <laughs> type of music. So I'm like, Brian, that's either you're gonna yeah, play this or yeah. like yeah. we're gonna have to switch out because. <laughs> I can only go so far back. Um, yeah. I know there was one night that one of his friends, she told me when I was watching out with her, uh, she had DJ like a birthday set and showed me a playlist. She's like, yeah, I like cleared the room because yeah. no one knew this. And it was like I'm Blood like, Brothers. Uh... I was like, girl, I don't even know some of these things. Yeah. Well, I fucking love me some Blood Brothers. But you know, while you were talking, what I was thinking about when you were talking about like, the difference between the, the upstairs and the downstairs, is like I was thinking about like us as like much older people where we're like, you know what? I I'm done I'm done doing shots mm -hmm. and 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 partying my face off. I kinda wanna go downstairs and just enjoy a glass of wine to some boxcar racer. <laughs> So fine, some finest, cheapest yeah. wine and some finest car racer. Like it's like da downstairs is like candlelit, like <laughs> and dinner to like boxcar racer and like old, old, old like goddamn it era. Um, so you got like your old person crowd, and then upstairs is all your partiers who just want to listen to like fucking uh, the Fall Out Boy hits. Exactly. We have a lot of like age range is there like a lot of us in our 30s are like we should just be downstairs listening to other stuff be somewhere else. and then downstairs i'm someone's like can you play kesha blah 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 I'm like god you know it right now yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like people like stirring like a, a glass of red wine being like you know boxcar racer was really the best version of tom DeLong. like people like it, like discussing in depth yes you know that like the, the intricacies of, of like some of those like you know early emo era stuff um i i just really like that imagery in my head it was like over the pandemic we did uh some dj twitch streams which were essentially like that like lizzie and i would be remote we'd be like hanging out but we'd be having like a little drink and 
it'd be kind of like having a glass of red wine and be like, you know, this is like uh, uh, this song, like, hey, let's play this for the audience. Or the, the chat would say, hey, can you play this song? Like, we might like it. And we listen to it. It's like, oh, yes. And as I'm sipping my White Claw and I'm saying, yes. Yeah, so uh, the way the guitar sounds on this record is like, <laughs> this pandemic has fucked up my brain. It's <laughs> Drinking White Claw has really become the the new uh, drinking wine, hasn't it? Yeah. Oh, this... what, what what White Claw have you? This White Claw has been aged. For... No, is that the White Claw vodka now? The White Claw vodka. <laughs> the White Claw surge. The White Claw uh, surf. We have White Clawed girl too hard to the sun. They're just advantages. No, that's great. I I haven't had I haven't had a drink of a white claw in in a long time. So I, I love living vicariously through you. I mean, it's all about other ones now, I guess. People are yeah. people are cooling on the white claw. So yeah, I don't think you're missing anything. I think anyone's like yeah. like the this white, is it. Yeah. The white claw of, uh vintage has dried up. It's a little you know, the vineyards are closing down. They've all they've all become poor because the economy and moved on to four loco. Yeah, Brian is a four loco enthusiast, but for the old, are you? Not anymore. Uh, you know what? I I don't I don't think I've ever had a four loco in my entire life. I never had one either. I only hear old legends it. from Brian. Not worth <laughs> it. I there were legends back in the day of like the the caffeine yeah. and stuff. So that was when it was like, uh, this no one should have this. This is just. We don't need this. But as soon as they took it away, I was like, no, that's not fair. <laughs> that's not okay. So now, you, now you're, it's it's like buying like hard drugs. Like here, you're like, hey, you know, anybody here selling poor loco? So now you're like hanging out in a, a bathroom with some asshole stranger, like each taking sips off four loco and yeah. talking about how you're going to change the world. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, that's also probably why they should outlaw it. <laughs> Is Four Loco still on the shelves? I, yeah, it just doesn't have the caffeine. Yeah. Uh, no caffeine. Yeah. That was a whole thing. Uh, I forget what year it was, but yeah, it was like kids in college were getting this like massive amounts of alcohol and caffeine and then just uh, college kids like destroying themselves because they don't know how to act and i'm like how they ruin this for us adults who do know how to act now i can't act but yeah i also understand completely you know i I, and i i don't i don't want to make decisions for you because i know that you're an adult but i will say i think your life might be a little bit better without four loco 100 percent. no it definitely would be i've never looked back and said i miss those days uh projectile vomiting after half a can <laughs> just it tears you apart inside you're awake and you feel terrible i feel like four loco is like my not not that i'm even old i'm 33 years old but like four loco came after like my heavier drinking days like when i was in college i feel like the four loco was ever clear mm-hmm. and i remember on like my 22nd birthday because i didn't really start drinking until i was like after 21 um i missed my entire birthday because someone was like oh we're gonna make this thing called jungle juice oh no yeah and 
and we made it at like four o'clock and I think I had like three of them and then I had this entire like maybe 40 people over um because I was still in college and I missed my entire birthday party my god like throwing up in my friend's bed yeah so anyways um god i love i love i love all of the veins this conversation is right there's very many although i think the one vein we haven't fully gone into is your latest lp though and i we should even we talk, should talk about, about this earlier yeah. before i was like yeah sometimes we just forget about talking about the main thing until the end <laughs> Well, that's like, you know, that that is like, that's my favorite thing because like I was telling Liz before you joined, um, is like, I, it, it's like when you're in a, a job interview and they're like, tell me about your greatest strengths. And you're like, I don't want to fucking talk about Yeah. I'll... <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I guess if I, if I can, let's just, I'm, I'm going to do it like a plug section that's... where, yeah, that's where yeah. uh, you should, you should listen to Tightwire. Um, it's a band I worked very hard on. Uh, we just released a new record through Red Scare Industries called Head Full of Snakes. Um, it's very low commitment. It's 19 minutes long. Okay. So you could, if you like it, you could listen to it three times. That's even better, Brian. Like love songs that are under two minutes. I'm a big fan of short songs, yeah. I Yeah, I, well, so am I. Um, mostly because I hate writing lyrics <laughs> and, and I'm like, how can I make this like long enough to like clock my 16th of a penny on Spotify without having to write it any longer than that? Um, but yeah, uh, no, we, we just released it, um, in June um like i said it's 19 minutes long it's as catchy as i possibly could make it i mean it took us four fucking years to write so i would hope that four years of of 19 minutes of music would be pleasing to everyone um so just give it a chance it's low commitment and um we have a bunch of tours coming up we're going out to like boston new york city new jersey Pennsylvania and all the cities in between um, here in September and then we're doing a short run with our friends um, in Billy Liar and Make War um, down to the fest in late October and back um, I'm sure we'll be in Chicago like two more times before the end of the year because we fucking love Chicago um, but yeah, that's I. That's all I have to plug about my my dumb fucking Minneapolis pop punk band. I mean, Thank just you. this time when you come to Chicago, um, tell them to put you at some tea somewhere instead of Reggie's and Cobra. I know. Well, we, yeah, we we play Reggie's and Cobra a lot, which are fine establishments. But I, I, you know, when we when we first started out, and I was booking all the shows. We would always play sub T, um, and it was a fucking blast. I love sub T. Yeah. <laughs> I remember my uh, our, our first time playing sub T. We surprisingly sold it out when nobody knew who our band was. the 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 lower 
the um, downstairs. And then somehow it was um, upstairs was Dan Adriano from Alkaline and uh, Matt, Matt something from um, Get Up Kids were doing upstairs. And somehow we made our way backstage and hung out with with Dan and Matt um, until like four in the morning. Yeah. And that was, that is my best sub T experience of all time. It's, it's so small, but like you can fit a bunch of people in it. But like, if you can get to the green room and you start talking to somebody and like you're around, I'm not it, recommending... Don't do it for our shows. Do it for everybody else's shows. Do it for the the other band. Yeah, don't give don't, our me, don't make me have to yell at you. Yeah, don't the green room because yeah. I am really mad when that happens. <laughs> yeah, but you can meet the people who are playing and and they all hang out. Like it generally is that kind of a a venue for that. And I think right. for like both, hopefully for the artists, definitely for the fans, a good experience to be like, hey, like I'm a fan. The show was great. Like. Uh, nice to meet you, and and you know you make memories there. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I I've definitely made memories at Sub T. So we're gonna put in all of our promo from now on. Yeah. So, <laughs> emo night subterranean. We're making memories. We're making memories. Actually, they're gonna start pivoting to the wedding booking thing, and that's what they're gonna use. Like, make your memories. Make memories with us. Hey, I would get I I'd get married at Subterranean. I don't give a shit. Could work, actually. Well, Chop Shop lets you, right next door, lets you, like, have, like, weddings in Thalia Hall. Thalia Hall's gorgeous, though, so, like, I definitely get that. Sub-T would definitely be, like, uh, you are able to getting married, and honestly, that's fine. <laughs> Is Chop Shop really down the street? Yeah, like, like, like right door next house. door. Yeah. But, and, uh, I, I played with Brennan Kelly, like, maybe a year and a half ago at Chop Shop, and I, I thought... The neighborhood looked familiar, but also every time I come to Chicago, I have no idea where I am, and I'm like, it it all looks the same to me. When you when you go to a city, do you basically just like go to the venue if you're staying there, wherever you're staying, and like that's it, or do you do you tend to like travel around and see some sights? Um, we we really try to, but um. You know, if I'm being honest, we like to sleep in. Mm-hmm. So so we typically don't check out till like 12, which means we're driving straight to the venue. Mm-hmm. Um, driving straight to the venue, trying to get, you know, like we'll, we'll always forfeit our um, sound check so that we can like at least walk the area that we're at, you know, um, but yeah, we don't, um, we, we, we really, we really try, like on our days off, we'll go to the weirdest shit ever. Like, uh, we have a day off, um, before Boston in September and we're definitely going to make the 45 minute trip up to Salem, uh, Massachusetts. And we're going to go to the like satanic church. Um, that they have there and like see some of the Salem witch trial like sites and shit like that. Just know if you try to take a photo um, in front of the witch house, they'll yell at you unless you pay for it. Oh, have you done it? I tried to. Me and my friend tried to do it and they're like, you need to pay for that. I'm like, absolutely not. Goodbye. I saw what I needed to see. <laughs> like, I ain't doing that. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, like we we try to like or like or we follow like weird stuff. Like um, when I was on tour with Kali Kali Masi uh, this last year, we um, they 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 follow like this weird um, website called like Atlas Obscura. Oh my god. Um, and so like we we spent like three hours trying to find the world's fastest pop machine um which is in like the middle of nowhere where like apparently like you put the quarter in you hit the button and you can't move your hand fast enough to grab the soda that flies out of it um and we spent three hours doing that and then it turns out that they were broken when we found them it's we so upsetting we did find the world's fa- fastest pop machine they just were broken um, but yeah, no, we just do dumb shit like that, um, if we can, but otherwise, nah, we just, we sleep till, we sleep until, um, housekeeping is, like, fed up with us, <laughs> and then, uh, and then we just try to make our way as fast as possible to the venue. Yeah. yeah. Make sure that you're listening to the band, Tidewire, don't just... Be like, oh, that podcast is really cool. I really like all the stuff they talked about. It was about the music. Tell the label too. Tell tell about all the people that book. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. Not about crypto. This is not a podcast about crypto. <laughs> Unless you're giving me a lot of money in regular money. Normal FDIC insured money. Yeah. I'm not gonna hot crypto. Crypto. I'm gonna hot crypto for actual money. <laughs> Take out your crypto and PayPal it to us right now. Yeah. You can find our information in the links below. None of us have, have lifted a weight in six months. I know. I have. I have, yeah. I, well, okay. We're move. I just moved. Lizzie's moving. So technically, we had to work out a little bit. Okay. No, I'm, I'm up to a 30-pound dumbbell, okay? Like, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. I don't want to shame people that work out. I just, I, I was trying to make a stupid joke. Yeah, I know. I'm like, ah, shit. I've actually worked out. I'm not. <laughs> no, no, no. Good for you. Uh, you know what? You should, you should work out. I, my, my doctor told me at least three times a week for 30 minutes so that that's a healthy choice yeah and I, i'm i'm not going to shame people for making healthy choices listen you could just do yoga i did puppy yoga that puppy. was yeah the little puppies are running around and then one of them sold my glasses dude i love it i was like oh my god come back here i can't see i'm in downward facing dog i can't move i will disrupt my hip placement what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> all, right. all right, all right, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I was like, I like, what is happening? I, I am. That's just how everything devolves on the emo social club oh, podcast. How it should be. But I like, I am, I'm the most ADHD person who's unmedicated that should not be on anybody's podcast <laughs> because I will derail at any given second. I think. Uh, I think content creators and people who are on podcasts are all ADHD and they all make our, they all make better content for it. And I'm not ADHD. So I'm like, I suck. I can focus and like have this whole conversation. It's like, man, I wish this was more interesting to listen to. I'm going to listen to all the ADHD creators that I listen to because they're, they're keeping me entertained. 
Hey, I th I think I think you're perfect. You've done you've in my experience of listening to the one podcast of Emo Social Club before this and doing it live with you guys. You're dude, you're you're doing great. Thank you. So don't question it. Then we're gonna go ahead and end the recording there before anything else can be said. <laughs> uh. Yeah, make sure that you're checking out Tightwire. Make sure you're listening to the music and uh, and and all the good stuff. Check them out on tour later this year. Uh, yeah, Dane, thanks for for being on. It's so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. Wow, wow, wow! Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Emo Social Club podcast. And we hope you really enjoyed it. It was such a fun interview, and hopefully that you're able to see Tightwire on their next upcoming tour as well. We'll be back next week with another interview dropping for you on Tuesday. And again, make sure that you're following us on all of our socials. You're letting us know what you like, what you don't like, maybe not what you don't like. Otherwise, Brian is going to infiltrate your DMs. And that'll be up to him. Until next time, I've been Lizzie and Brian has been, I don't know, probably editing this video, but I don't want to walk outside right now because it's rainy to go and ask him myself. <laughs> we'll see you later. Bye.